Bill Boylan has been a friend and mentor to me for many, many years. Probably since dirt was young. Uh, he's heard nearly all of my messages over the past couple decades and has given me invaluable input, uh, both in my studies and review after I gave the message. In fact, last time I spoke, which was here last year, he came up to me afterwards and said, Bob, I realize your message was only about 45 minutes long, but it didn't feel a minute over an hour and a half. So it helps to have friends like that. This one will actually be shorter. Um, and that's interesting for me because usually when I speak, being a former teacher, you got to get people to understand everything. They have to get all the points. And I try to get all that in. And I was reading last week, uh, from a book from a guy that actually will be quoting from later, John Eldridge. And as he was writing a book, he wanted to make sure he got everything in there and praying, God, how am I going to do this? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, the Gospels are not comprehensive. He said, what? The Gospels are not comprehensive. In fact, Scripture tells us if everything was written about what Jesus did when he was here on earth, all the volumes couldn't contain it. So... I don't have to tell you everything, which is good because I don't know everything. Um, and what I don't know, I'll just make up. But uh, we're going to speak this morning on Jesus, our soon coming King. Um, Diane is in Children's Church, but I had heard that recently she was doing her class and they were talking to the kids about God's creation, about God's time here on earth as Jesus, and the importance of Jesus in our lives. And she's talking to them sort of got through a story and said, okay, if you see a small furry critter, big bushy tail, really likes to eat nuts, what is it? Silence, just nobody answered, they just stared at her and die is kind of wondering, all righty. Um, doesn't seem that hard, but okay. What is a small furry animal? Bushy tail likes to eat nuts and Finally, one little girl kind of hesitantly raised her hand, and I was relieved, finally. So, okay, what's the answer? She said, well, I know it's supposed to be Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> so, today we are talking about who? Jesus. Not a squirrel, but Jesus, yes. We learned that in Sunday school, and it's still true. Jesus, our soon-coming king, one of the four squares that we just saw the video on of our four-square denomination. How ironic that there are four-square, okay. Anyway, in previous messages, we've heard about Jesus as our Savior, Redeemer, as our Baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Healer, we heard about that this morning. And now the, the final square, Jesus, our soon-coming King. Um, I'd like you to stand with me if, if you're able, and let's read some passages that talk about this. This is from the Passion Translation. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you've believed in God, now trust in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would have told you plainly because I go to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come back, take you to myself, so that you will be where I am. You already know the place where I'm going. Thomas said to a master, we don't know where you're going and how could we know the way then? Jesus explained, I am the way, 
I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. And then in the book of Revelation, John goes on to say, he quotes Jesus three times here saying, behold, I come quickly. This is chapter 22 and verse 12, he says, behold, I come quickly. At the very end, verse 20, he says, to the one who testifies these things say, yes, I am coming quickly. And then John adds this request in the very last verse of our scripture says, come, Lord Jesus, and go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Father, for what you are going to do this morning, for what you want to do this morning, what you get to do, and that you involve us. So there are more scriptures that speak about Jesus coming again, but I think you get a pretty good idea. This is not a comprehensive dive into the subject, but rather just some snapshots and from a couple of different angles. So Jesus, our King, is coming soon. How soon? Scripture gives us some clues of the signs that point to his return as he comes back in physical form to our planet here. Probably the most recognizable and quoted is Jesus' own words in Matthew 24. He spoke of wars and rumors of wars, deception running rampant, terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, famines in place after place, stars falling from the sky and all the cosmic powers shaken, dogs getting along with cats, and by the way, have a nice day. He had much more to add to this list, all things pointing to his return. Do they sound familiar? Wars and rumors of wars, famine, plagues. Well, maybe not the dogs get along with cats. That's pushing that a little bit too far. So uh, Bill pointed out to me one thing this morning from the scripture that we just read, and it's the familiar one where he says, you know, I go, I'm gonna prepare a place for you and Bill said, also, Jesus is in process now of preparing us for that place. It's not a passive thing on our part, and it's not passive on his part. He is working to prepare us for that place where we will be going. So when is Jesus coming back? That's always the big question. We hear all kinds of prophets spouting out things to get on TV and say, this is when God's coming back and everybody needs to, to hide in this spaceship here and he'll take us up with him or go hide in a cave or go hide somewhere. I'm not sure why you'd want to hide if Jesus is coming to get you. Could miss you, I don't know. But that's not what we're talking about. But we do have some ideas of when Jesus is coming back. So I did some calculations when he's going to return and I did it on my returnal meter that I ordered from Amazon for $29.99. And from my calculations anyway, from what Jesus says and when he's coming back. So you carry the two. Okay, Jesus will return when the Father tells him to. Amen. Not a minute before, a minute after. When the Father tells him to, he will return. And now that that's settled, I'd like to get on to what I think is a more productive view of Jesus' return. Dr. Brian Simmons is the man who has translated scripture, the New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon into what we now know as the Passion Bible. And 
he talks about this discourse that I just read that Jesus said of the things that are going to happen, um, the things to watch for. Part about the stars falling from the sky, which is even spoken of in several of the prophetic books in the Old Testament. Here's how he annotates those verses. He says, this can also be viewed as a Hebraic metaphor of the lights of the natural realm being shut off and replaced with heaven's glory. Lights out on the old order. Sun, moon, and stars are also representative of the governmental structures failing with great calamity. A new order, a new glory is coming to replace the fading glories of the world. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The new order, the new glory, because Jesus is our soon coming king. So, looking back in history, what do King David, King Solomon, uh, William the Great, Henry VIII, see, uh, who else was there? Oh, King Arthur. Besides being kings, you know, minor detail there, what do they all have in common? They're all still dead. Jesus, our king, is not. And he's coming back. He has promised that. Okay, so this may seem obvious, but if one is going to be a king, they need a kingdom. So I'd like to define that word because it's kind of a foreign concept to us here in the United States. We don't have a kingdom here. We got rid of that for ruling here. One of the definitions from Webster's Dictionary states that a kingdom is the domain over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends, whether in heaven or on earth. Throughout church history, Christians have used the Lord's Prayer, which we find in Matthew 6, as a, a template for prayer. Uh, many traditions will just recite the whole thing every Sunday. So we get pretty familiar with it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We sing that, multiple songs, hymns, old hymns, new songs, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I wonder how many times we sing that, asking that to happen, because we're so familiar with it, we may not pay much attention to what we're actually saying. How often do we ask ourselves, what is our role in the kingdom? Or do we feel this just up to God to you know, do his thing? Here's the thought about kings. A good king takes the throne reluctantly because he's not after power. He already has the power and the throne is already his. Jesus didn't assume the role of king because he wants to be in charge, but rather, at least in part, to cover our inadequacies, our shortcomings, and to offer us a home with him, including provision, protection, and a life befitting of dwelling in a righteous kingdom. John Eldridge, who I mentioned earlier, has this to say, in his book, Fathered by God, he said, the posture of the heart of a mature man is reluctance to take the throne, but 
willing to do so on behalf of others. Jesus is coming back not because, well, he needs it, but we need it. Jesus, our king, isn't out to control our lives, but to offer us life, the fullest life possible, through submission. We don't like that word, but submission to his command, his rule. But he doesn't issue edicts. Rather, through Holy Spirit, he offers an invitation into conversations with him. So, what is his command? We've talked about that many times here, but it can be easy to forget. John 15, the Passion Translation reads like this. I love each of you with the same love that Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Wow. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. This great love is demonstrated when a per person sacrifices his life for his friend. In verse 17, he says, so this is my parting command. This is what the king is telling us to do. Love one another deeply. This is his overarching rule that he commands. We can learn to live this way through those intimate conversations that he invites us into. That's how it's going to come. It isn't going to come from trying harder, reading more books on it. We can read all the books we want, but if we're not talking to him, not letting Holy Spirit speak back to us, we're going to miss it. We're not going to learn how to love, which is what he's asking us to do. That's his commandment. The soon coming king is saying, love one another deeply. The king is returning to reclaim that which was surrendered to our enemy. Adam yielded his rights and our rights to rule on this earth. But several places in scripture, including Colossians 1.20, we read that Jesus is returning to restore all things, make all things new. So I wonder how much is left out in that. How many people are left out in that restoring all? In the Greek, you go back and look, and that's kind of weird, but that word all is translated um, meaning all. I think he means it. The restoration of all things, all things made new. That's going to then include us to co-rule this planet with him. Can you imagine helping run this earth alongside of Jesus? And it's not a thing of power. It's a thing of intimacy. Jesus is our soon coming king. Author Francis Schaeffer 
penned a book back in the early 70s. It was entitled, How Shall We Then Live? The Rise and the Decline of Western Culture. It's almost like he knew what was coming. But that's the big question. How shall we then live? Does it matter? Am I living like it does? And it's it's funny listening to Jim this morning, I think Mary, because this morning as I was just looking through my message, thinking about it, Holy Spirit gave me another line to put in there. Let's see if this sounds familiar. If Holy Spirit tells me to do something, and it's something that I don't want to do, will I do it because the kingdom needs me to? If Holy Spirit tells me to do something, that's something I don't want to do. Will I do it because the kingdom needs me to? Jesus has set up this earth so that, yes, he could do everything. But he doesn't want to do everything by himself. He has set it up to do everything that he does here through us. We are his body, the church. We are the ones to help bring that restoration of all things, through loving deeply, through listening when Holy Spirit speaks and following what he says, whether we want to or not. If we miss it, if we just say, well, I think he's telling me you go do it, so you learn. You learn to listen. We just sang these words to say, heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And I have to ask myself, does my heart truly break for what breaks his? Am I paying attention? Am I listening? It says, as I walk from earth into into eternity... Church, we are living in eternity now. And we already have God's own eternal life living inside of us. And because of that, we will never have less and we'll never have more of his eternal life available to us. We'll just become more aware of what we have. That's what we get from listening That's what we get from doing what Holy Spirit tells us is we just keep becoming more and more aware what he's already given us. And yes, eternity eternity is not just a place, but rather it's a state of being. Not only where we will spend eternity when our mortal lives are done. It's a state of being. It does speak of immortality, and the joy we will experience when we are face to face in the presence of our King. But that is yet to come. How then shall we live? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we do that? How do we know that we have God's Holy Spirit living in us and enough? It is one of our prayers that we constantly, God, I want more of you. 
Holy Spirit, I want more of you. Not a bad prayer as long as we realize what we're asking for is more awareness of him because he's already given it all to us. And don't take my word for it. Let's take the word of the Apostle Peter that he penned to the church in Turkey. What well, was Asia Minor back then? Second uh, Peter 1, 3 through 11. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but that's okay. We have time. I'll still get you out of here in time for the breakfast buffet. Peter says, everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature. Wow. By which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. The next few verses here are what a lot of Bibles can list when they do their heading as faith's ladder of virtue. It says, so devote yourself to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness, add understanding. To understanding, add the strength of self-control. And to self-control, add patient endurance. And to patient endurance, add godliness. And to godliness, add mercy toward your brothers and sisters. And to mercy, add un unending love. He says, since these virtues are already planted deep within you and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. No small deal. He has claimed us as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. And this last verse here is, as a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide to you as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. As God choreographs our triumphant entrance. Scripture talks about that God dances over us. So evidently he's got some moves. So if he's scripting out some moves for me as I'm coming through the gate, I want to do it. And the gate is here. The kingdom is here. Eternity is here. How shall we then live? This eternal kingdom is here. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, was he just saying, okay, just hold on until either you die or I come back and everything will be okay. 
Is that all we have to look forward to? Not much of a life. Here again is the, the first section of the Lord's Prayer taken from the Passion Translation. And listen closely to the wording. Our beloved Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause every your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as, as it is in heaven. How shall we then live? I mentioned this is going to be a short sermon. And it's just about done. I'd like the worship team to come on up. And as they're coming, I'd like those who can to stand, please, and read the entire Lord's Prayer taken from the Passion Translation. And I would encourage those of you, like me, who this is such a familiar passage that we can... We can be thinking about what's on the breakfast buffet and not even thinking about the words that we're reciting here. So this is from Passion, so please listen and speak it with new eyes, a new vision. Do we have the slide, perchance? There it is. Nope, that's not it. Should be the very last thing on there, but... Just a second here. Next. Okay, do we not have it? Okay. I will just read it aloud and listen, please. Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as, as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongdoings we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation set us free from evil for you are the king who rules with power and glory forever Amen Just as we um, close the service and Linda's going to be coming up in just a second but before we do that um, I just want to you can be seated I, I just want to Thank you, Bob, by the way. Can we just say thank you? Thank you Bob, for sharing that. I, I, love, I love how you shared that. It, it can be such a, um, a touchy thing when you start talking about the return um, because there's so many um, different ideas about how it's going to happen and how it, you know, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so, um, you know, the thing that's important to me and the, the thing that I think was expressed this morning is that, you know, he's here. And then the, there's this beautiful mystery of that he's, he is going to return and that we get to, to co-lead with him and there's going to be something beautiful in that. And so I just believe, um, you know, in, our, in the time of sharing this morning, there might be some of you um, that are saying, yeah, I, I want to have a relationship with this Jesus, this soon coming King. And, uh, you know, we even sing songs and, uh, you know, 
you know, sometimes it's, it can be confusing, you know. Um, so even, even now, come, you know, we, we, we pray that you would come. But wait a minute, he's here. He's here and he's present and uh, he's available for you to live your life right now, to carry you like the wings of the eagle that we're talking about, um, to, to take you to new places. And he's a God that's uh, here uh, for us yesterday, today, forever the same. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna invite everybody to um, close your eyes, bow your heads. I, I've just always believed that uh, this, is, this decision is, is, is a, a private decision uh, between you and Jesus to, to follow him, to give, to give your life in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm just changing course, I'm changing direction, I don't wanna surrender. And so just with every believer this morning, every follower of Jesus uh, praying and agreeing, this is just an exciting opportunity we have to, to give every weekend. Why don't we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would prompt those that maybe haven't met you in a way that is real and relational to say yes to following you this morning. And if that's you, with nobody looking around, maybe maybe it's a resurrender. You know, you know it. You know it in your spirit. Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you. Whether it's a first-time decision this morning or a prompting to say, hey, I want to I follow you afresh this morning, would you just raise your hand this morning with nobody looking around? Amen. Amen. You can put it down. Anybody else? Hey, we want to pray this prayer with you this morning. So everybody in the house, we're going to say this after we say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. Thank you for being my king, present and even yet to come. I want to follow you with all that I am. Thank you for surrendering everything for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for coming to my rescue. You paid it all. So Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm just going to lean in a little bit closer to all that you have for me. In your mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Amen. God is good.